Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. We've been talking about last week, and we'll talk about this week, the three that testify. Right? Um, our testimony is a big part of who we are. It, it is who we are to those who are in this world. Now, we were talking about this a little bit in Sunday school today, uh, but we're not doing a great job of connecting with lost people in the world today. I think that the church does a pretty good job of raising up its own families and seeing them come to Christ. In other words, hey, you know what? You have two or three kids, you see them come to Jesus. They have two or three kids, maybe you see them come to Jesus. And so our, our church is really a more of a heritage thing or an or a, a, a ancestral thing than it is that we are a- impacting the world with the gospel, okay? Especially in this country, okay? And so why are we not doing that? We're not doing that because the world that we live in today is a world that connects through relationships. And so we have disconnected ourselves from the world in such a way that we don't have relationships with lost people. I mean, I really want you to think about that for a minute. How many lost people do you know? How many friends do you have that are truly separated from Christ? How many people that you spend some time with? Maybe it, you might have people at work that you spend time with, but you really invested in their lives. And so we need to do what we can to be able to get across how our life is different from the rest of the world and make an impact so that they see that, the, that there's a difference in the, in the life that is lived in Christ Jesus. And so that's what our testimony is. You see, we live in a generation and a, and a time today where what you say is truth. Not so much that what you believe is truth, it's what you say is truth. This is what happens to me, and because this happens to me, that makes it truth. It's true for me, and because it's true for me, then it is truth. You know, that's, that's, that's the reality of where we live today. And so our testimony means something because when you go through things, when you experience things, when you can share about your relationship to Christ and, what, and with Christ and what that means and how the Holy Spirit works in your life, then that makes a difference in someone else's life because your reality can become truth. Because we live in a world today, let's face it, no one knows what truth is anymore, do they? You know, truth is what I say it is. And what I believe, and what I think, and how it affects me. So that, that's, that's why these three things are so important, and understanding them. So the first thing we looked at last week was water. And so the first of the three that gives a relation, let me just go on ahead and read the verses. It says, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with water only, but with water and the blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. And so last week we talked about testimony, and then we also talked about what it meant to be born of the water. So we're born of water naturally, so that's our first water birth, and that's a natural birth. The second is a spiritual birth, and Nicodemus was having a tough time with that, if you remember last week, and the fact that he said, how am I supposed to go in my mother's womb and be reborn again? You're not. The first birth is natural, and it's born into sin. And so we're all naturally born separated from God, needing to have that relationship corrected. We do this through our profession in Christ and our confession of Him as Lord. And so our profession and our, and, and our confession bring about uh, um, our, tr- our transformational process 
which we would know as baptism. Baptism is the outward expression of that inward change. The water does not save you. And you remember how we went over all this last week. So that's when we talked about the water. Today we're going to pick it up and we're going to talk about the blood. Beginning with the first thing we're going to talk about is the blood, all right? The blood is the example of the communion. Now, as baptism is the initiating rite into the church or where somebody tells of their profession and their confession in Christ and tells of what that transformation has meant and that they have accepted Christ into their heart, the blood or communion is a picture of our justification. It makes us right, okay? It is reconciling or the reconciliation process of who we are in Christ. Since we were separated by sin, we have to be reconciled. Any accounting majors in here? Anybody ever really done much in accounting and stuff? What? Okay, see, so what, are the, what do you call it when you balance it all up? You're reconciling the, reconciling the ba- a balance sheet, aren't you? Or a bank. If you are actually, remember, remember the day when they didn't keep everything electronically and you had the little book and you had to write down all your checks? You remember, what were you doing at the end of the month? You were reconciling to the fact that you had no money left, all right? But you were adding all that up to see how much money you had left, and you had to keep it all in that ledger, all right? So this is what takes place. When we're in sin, we're on, let's say, this side of the church over here because we know all these people, right? They're a bunch of lost folks, all right? So when we profess and confess who we are in Christ, then we are reconciled or brought back into the right relationship with God. And so that's what the reconciliation process is for us. The reconciliation process, the example of these three is the blood. Why is that? We're going to see that in just a minute because blood covers the sin. Why did Jesus Christ have to die on the cross? Why couldn't he just live a sinless life and then just died? Okay? He had to die on the cross because why? Because there had to be a shed blood. Remember, he was pierced in his side. There had to be a shedding of blood because there was a sacrifice that needed to be made. The Old Testament is all about this, okay? It's all about making sacrifices, and we would, people would go to the priests and make the sacrifices so that they could have their sins forgiven, and those sins were forgiven over and over. If you ever want to go read about this, read in Hebrews chapter 9, read in Hebrews chapter 10, and read in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. This all puts this into perspective for us, all right? But Hebrews is a great place for us to go and see and t- talk about this. But Jesus Christ became... Our high priest, he stepped in and he, instead of offering the sacrifice, he became the sacrifice. Okay? And his shedding of blood is what brings about the remission of the sin. So let's, let's read about this now that I've gone through and, and basically blown my whole deal is what I was going to tell you about. But we, we can still read it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 says this. Now, all these things that are of God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is important. We'll touch on this in a minute. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God did this. It was on purpose. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Christ to us. So he was doing this, what? To reconcile the world to himself. Not counting their transgressions against them. Why didn't he just stand up there? Because this is what we think God does anyway, right? As soon as we do something wrong, he throws a lightning bolt down on our lives and just blows it all up, right? That's why we, that people look at God today and think that God is, is, is a revengeful God or a vengeful God. 
if God is a, was a revengeful or vengeful God, <laughs> we would all be dead. No doubt. No doubt. Already. Because we have done enough to, to bring about our death. God is not about vengeance. He's about reconciliation. He's trying to get you to see your lostness. And just like he was trying to get you to see your lostness, he's trying to get the world to see their lostness. Okay? And so... He said they were dead in their trespasses and sins, but they were, he was not counting them against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Wow. I don't know what to say or how to say it, Pastor Tim. It's not a script. This is where we get this wrong as Baptists. How many discipleship or how many evangelism things have you... Have any of y'all ever learned evangelism explosion? E.E.? -E? Yeah. How many of y'all ever learned faith? Remember F-A-I-T-H, and you could go sit down with somebody in their house and teach them about faith and what that was about? See, we're Baptists. we got to have this written out in some way. It's got to be, how about the Roman road? You know, you had to learn the Roman road, and you take somebody down the Roman road. Now, I get it. We need a process or something for us to be able to lean back on scripturally for us to be able to share the gospel with somebody. But in today's world, that doesn't work. You go start taking someone down the Roman road, and they're going, what are you talking about? You need to take them down your road, what your life was like. And that's what makes it relational. So it cannot be a script, and we are slowly but surely learning this culturally, that it cannot be just some kind of canned thing that we go out there, and we go to some, this person's house and that person's house, and we just give them the same story or the same Thing, right, one right after another. Now look, you can know that, and I think it's very good for you to know that. But you need to be ready to be able to go off script. And you need to be able to have a conversation with someone when, when um, they ask you questions that are going to place you off script. That was the fun thing about going on faith, um, uh, going into someone's home and trying to go through faith, was watching Baptists get asked a question that was not on their sheet. <laughs> And they would go, you, I could just see everybody look. I'd, I'd be sitting there, and we'd be going through faith. We'd be sitting in somebody's house. We'd be trying to share the gospel, and someone would ask a question, you know, that wasn't something that was on our line. You could just see everybody scrambling, going, oh, man, that's not in my pamphlet. I don't know what I'm supposed to tell this person now. And then they'd go, Whoosh, got a preacher with me. So glad that Pastor Tim is here with us. He's our youth minister, but maybe he knows something about the Bible. Take it, Brother Tim. <laughs> you know, and, and, and then I was allowed to speak. But, you know, as far as, as, far as the rest of it, you know, that, but we, we have a tough time with that. Because, you know, sometimes people ask you questions and you don't know all the answers, do you? Me too. <laughs> Y'all are going, that happens a lot. <laughs> we know you. Uh, you know, but the best thing to do is to not sit there and to go, make up junk. <laughs> Don't start trying to trip off the top of your head and go, oh, I think I can figure this out. No, you can't. Say, hey, you know what? I don't know that, but I'm going to go look that up because I want to know that too. I'm going to get back to you as soon as I can. And write it down or tell them when you're going to call them back or, or something like that. How are you going to get back the information to them? And then actually spend time doing that, all right? Why? Because God reconciled you to himself. Your job is to have that same ministry. You have a ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were making an appeal through us. Why doesn't he just show up in the heavens and light up the sky, teach these people a lesson, reveal himself to be who he is? Just really, you know what? God shows up every day. The form in which he chooses to do it, in a lot of cases, is you in someone else's life. And so when you hit the ground and you're in a bad mood, or you've got conduct or character flaws in your life that expose themselves over and over to those who are around you, like tell everybody you're a Christian but cuss like a sailor, that's, you got an issue there. Or tell everybody that you love, that the, that you love Jesus but you don't like this segment of the population. And they got their phone on, by the way, and they're recording you. And next thing you know, they upload it. And it's all over the internet. And you're a racist and a bigot and a homophobe and a blah, 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 and a this and that. You can't have these. Cannot allow these things to be in our heart. Because they expose themselves. Our job is to reconcile. Our job is not to divide. Our job is to bring about... You have a ministry of reconciliation. God shows up every day in this world, and he does it through you. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is why we have this wrong in the faith. So much of faith believes, in, in Christian faith, believes that we can live like ever how we want to as long as we go to someone else, a priest, and confess our sins, and then they will bless us, and then we get to go out and, and be like whatever we want to and live however we want to. As long as our relationship is great with God, it's all good. That's not what this is about at all. You are, and I are nothing but a conduit. We're a pipeline. We're a pipeline for God in the world. Why is God not showing up in the skies every day? Because God needs to show up in you every day. And so you need to live and I need to live a life of righteousness. And we don't know what damage we do to the faith when we fall. You know... It's commonplace. I don't even like to read about church stuff anymore because it's always bad. This minister has done this. I mean, we spent the entire Southern Baptist Convention this past month talking about trying to come up with some kind of amendment or some, some kind of proclamation to put out about the bad stuff that ministers had done to children and kids and uh, other people in the church. We, that's where we spent all of our efforts and our thoughts was, you know, or even in our government today. Look, our country's done, our, our world has not treated people equally. And we want to make reparations for that? I don't know how we make reparations. It's sin. It's wrong. What has been done to people of color is wrong. What is still being done to people of color is wrong. What is being done to Hispanics in our country and how they're treated grossly and unjustly can be wrong. 
And the same thing for those who've come in here and Ill- illegally and are doing wrong in our country. It's wrong. And we think that by making two wrongs, we're going to make it right. And it doesn't. You see, people are looking for truth, and they keep looking for it in all the wrong places. I can't make reparations for that which has gone on in the past. Because I can't make reparations for myself. Are you following me? I'm only righteous because of Christ. That's not an excuse. I'm not trying to be excuse, make, make an excuse for anybody, for anything. But what I am saying here is we keep trying to make this right. And the only one that can make it right is Christ. And we're not looking for this at all. That's the last place, man. We don't even want to talk about Jesus. The only thing that gets me right in a right relationship with anybody else in the world is Christ. I can't love without Jesus. We just learned that. God is love. And if we have no God, we got no real love. Sexually, that will become lust. And out in the world, it becomes whatever we want to make it. And that's why there's no truth. And there's nothing for anybody to hang their hat on. But this is a great opportunity for us if we will just do the right thing. Not to say that it's gonna, everybody's going to blow sunshine and kisses at us because we're doing this. But what I am saying is if we will just live a righteous life, God says that he will use us to reconcile others to himself. Our life has worth. Our life has meaning. My father-in-law told me one time, probably about 20, 25 years ago, um, I, you know, I was into things and you know, all this kind of stuff. I was a you know, just, you know, young messer-upper, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and I was a very verbal young man. Can y'all believe that? I don't probably hard for y'all, you know, but, but, but when I was in college, it's probably unlike, unlike any of your children. When I came out of college, I thought I knew what the heck needed to be done to fix everything. And my father-in-law looked at me one day, and this was before I was in the ministry, and he said, you're either going to become a preacher one day or a politician. I said, politician? Ain't no way I'm becoming a politician. And then I looked at Tamar, and she said, ain't no way you're becoming a preacher. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, when you stand hard line for something in truth and know it to be so, you got to stand up for it. And I wonder sometimes, you know, I think of someone like Jody Heiss, who's a you know, congressman from Georgia. You know, Jody was pastor at First Baptist of Bethlehem for years. Jody left the ministry, the pastorate, to go to Congress. Ooh. And that's just, but somebody's got to do it. You know what I'm saying? And if you talk to Jody, that's kind of the way he feels about it. Somebody's got to go up there and stand up for who we are and what we believe without being hellfire and brimstone and slap you upside the face. You know what I'm saying? You're all a bunch of heathens. You're going to die and go to hell. Somebody's got to live love and show them righteousness. Somebody's got to be a conduit for that which is good. So what is the communion? The blood is the covering of that sin. So we have a ministry of reconciliation. This is what it says. I told you Hebrews chapter 9. So this is the flip side of us for what we're talking about here. But when Christ appeared as high priest 
of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having attained eternal redemption. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. We get the second covenant because of Christ. And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Do you get that? Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. If Christ had not died, none of us could be here and be righteous before the Father. This is our justification. This is our reconciliation. This is the ministry that we have. So my ministry is not to stand before someone as self-righteous, but my ministry is to stand before someone broken, but knowing the truth. John chapter 8, verse 12. The truth shall set you free. And if we have that truth, we are what? Free indeed, what Scripture tells us. So not only are we set free, but we have a life that we can live in freedom, unentangled and unencumbered by the sin. That's also in those chapters that I gave you, chapter 10, 11, and 12. It's actually in chapter 12. Don't get caught up in the sin of this world, which so easily entangles you. Set your eyes upon the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ, who having endured shame, gave his life and sat down at the right hand of the Father giving you eternal life, giving me eternal life. This is our ministry. So when we come here and we take communion, it's a, I tell you this over and over again, baptism is the initiating rite. Communion is the continuing rite. Because <laughs> I know none of y'all, y'all, y'all don't struggle with anything. I really do. I struggle with a lot of things. But none of y'all struggle with anything. So you never really get off track, do you? Y'all never get... So, you know, get sidetracked by anything that's going on in your life. You don't need to come back at a, at a continuing time to, to re-examine your life before the, before the Father and get it back together. Now, so communion isn't for the church. The communion's for the pastor. Let me just tell you that, all right? Because I'm the only one that I know here that gets off course. But every three months, the deacons go, man, you are so whacked out. We need to do communion right now. In fact, there's a, there's, there's a set back there for the deacons meetings, and they just go, we'll do it right now. We'll lay hands on you, and you need to get right with Jesus, brother. We all need this. We all need this. So there is a part about our confessing, confession and confessing our sins and keeping ourselves right that is a part in Christendom today. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to go to a priest to do that. You can do that with God in the comfort of your home or on your knees in front of everybody here in this church. There's power in confession. There's power in profession of who we are.
I, I believe that baptisms beget baptisms. When other people see other people's lives change through baptism and through that transformation, other people get baptized. Because they want that, they need that, they, they know that there's something different, or they feel the long. The Holy Spirit works in their life in that moment to teach them, to reach them, to show them. So, communion. Communion is a picture of our justification where we're being reconciled back to God. The Spirit is the third thing that testifies. All right? The Spirit is a picture of our sanctification or our restoration. If we let the Spirit live in and through our lives, then God brings about restoration, meaning we are reconciled and made right and put on the right side of the ledger, but then we're restored. Um, can you thwart God's will? Can you stop God's will? No. God's got a plan, and there's nothing that we can do as human beings that's going to stop that. Can you take yourself out of the picture? Yeah, you can. You can get yourself so derailed, so sidetracked, so out of proper relationship with God... <laughs> that you're not in communion with him, that at that moment, you cannot be used as God had purposed and intended. So, so you're sidetracked. You need to get right back in the right relationship with God, and then he restores you. Now, I don't believe that that's immediate. Now, so what I mean by this is this. So a pastor sins and falls, and he needs to come out of the pastorate. <laughs> he shouldn't be preaching somewhere else next month. I just don't think that probably for most sins and most things that people have done wrong, one month worth of I'm sorry, Lord, and, I'm, you know, and repentance is probably just not going to— you just don't really learn life lessons that long, do you? Uh, usually in that, that time frame. Um, but that's really what happens— so I've sinned, please restore me. And they go through a four-week process of restoration. And then somebody stamps them approved. And then they, you know, go apply for another job. And they're a pastor somewhere else. And we're living that now. In one case in Tennessee, so a young man, as a, as a student pastor, not a student pastor, as a college pastor or a student pastor, had a relationship. Now, look, I think it was pretty close. I think he was like 22 or 23, and she was like 17 or 18. No matter what the age difference, she was under him ministerially, and he wronged her. All right? Well, they didn't do anything to stop that. They just kind of fired him or let him go. All right, And then he ended up at a job somewhere else in Tennessee out of Texas. And then she finally stood up. And here they were 10 years later now down the road. And, and he's married and all this. But he's never reconciled that. Are you following me? And he never reconciled it. He said he was sorry, but it hadn't been reconciled. So here he was 10 years down the road in a different place, in a different position, in a different authority. And it all comes to light. I just don't, you know, this is, you can't kick this can down the road and keep climbing the religious ladder. You know, we, we can't do this. We have to let people sit it out and get it right with God because it's God that brings about restoration in our lives through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not through a four-week get it right and get back together with Jesus time. 
that's part of it. But you got to get right through the power and the presence of the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit of God that brings about the restoration. If a priest absolves you of your sins and you go on about it, that's not restored. Because you have to have repentance. Repentance means to go the opposite direction. Repentance truly means to, get, to, to make a 180, a U-turn from our sin. That's what brings about restoration is that, hey, man, I got myself over here off the path. I'm going to come into communion with God through the three that testify. I've given my life to Christ, and I've gotten sideways, and I've come back into communion, the right relationship with God. I'm rededicating, re-sanctifying my life as to who. Now, God needs to restore me, and that is not instantaneous. And I see that all the time, all the time. It's, it's a big part of, of ministry. We just check a box and we stamp somebody approved and okay and they're, they're not broken. They're not restored. They're, they're not made right. The whole relationship that was broken is not made right. That takes time. And we need to give God the opportunity to work in our lives. 1 John 4.13 says this, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. That He has given us His Spirit. That word abide really means remain. That God remains in us and I remain in Him. <laughs> Worship has become moments. moments. Worship is continual. Worship is continual. We get we gather together to hear for corporate worship to build each other up. It's not my job to come in here. <laughs> y'all y'all need to go look at this, all right? I know I'm doing bad here, but y'all y'all need to go to YouTube and put in, I don't, I don't know what you would Google for this, when our YouTube put in there for YouTube when you search but there's a couple of YouTube in there where the preachers are calling people out in the church. Have y'all seen these YouTubes? Alright, you need to you need to go go this afternoon and look this up this is great. There's this guy, this older pastor, alright, he's up there he is calling names and so people are giggling because he starts calling names and then he goes, Greer I saw what you did last weekend too, you don't need to be laughing about nothing he, I mean, he's calling everybody out for their sin. I mean, he just starts naming names and sin. Everybody's just sitting there like, and for like 20 minutes on this YouTube, man, he is just letting everybody have it from the pulpit. Calling names and telling what they did. <laughs> Please sign me up to come back next Sunday. <laughs> I felt a whole lot better edification, building up the body of Christ. That's what it's all about. Let's go worship together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Eddie's like, Eddie's probably got his phone out right now. He's going, I'm going to have this. I got to see this right here. I know it to be true. But there are a couple on YouTube where this guy, I mean, one of them is an older pastor and he, he is, it's, 
is frightening. It's funny, but it is scary. And let me tell you why it's scary. Because it happened. It happened. The Holy Spirit makes you whole. Me calling you out is not. Me helping you recognize your sin and deal with it is building you back, putting you back in a right relationship, bringing about the process of restoration. Making somebody look bad and feel bad so that I can feel better is not what this is all about. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit convicts people of sin. Your preacher calling you out does not. All it does is reduce attendance. All right? So we need to understand this and know that we need to remain and abide in him. He says this in 1 John chapter 5. These are the next verses, all right, to wrap this up. He says, The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. If you believe this about the Son of God, you got this testimony in you. I got the power in me. The power in the presence of Christ. And if I can keep Tim out of the way, he will show up. He will definitely show up. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. People make God out to be a liar all the time because of their sin. In fact, if you go and look in John, 1 John chapter 1, he talks about this. He says that we lie to others. We lie to God and we lie to ourselves through our sin. I think you're going to find that starting in verses like 6 through 10 of 1 John 1. Go read that. And so he's ending this book where he began this book. The sin separates you, makes you a liar. And then he's saying right here, those who do not believe or follow after God make God to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. And this is what I mean right here and this is when I say this a lot. You ain't really living if you don't know Jesus because you don't have life. You are existing. And the people are around us are existing. They think that they're, they need, they need um, to find something in society to pour their life into. Why do so many people care about legislation in Georgia that has to do with the birth of a child? When life begins in the state of Georgia. Why do people in California care? They don't. They need something to believe in. So they have a cause. And they have dedicated themselves to the cause. And that's their cause. That's their soapbox. Jesus is not a soapbox. Jesus is true life. Life abundant. 
our enemy seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life. Life abundantly. This is the gift that God wants to give all of us. How does it take place? It takes place with a watermark. A point where you know that you profess and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you follow through with baptism. An outward expression of an inward change. Doesn't save you, but lets everybody know your testimony. Then, what? Then there's the blood, the continual rite of the church, communion with God, staying in the right relationship, allowing Him to sanctify your life. As He sanctifies your life, you become more like the truth. You give up the junk and get the good. And then as the Spirit really starts working in you and in your heart, what? Your life becomes an example. Second Timothy Paul says in the last chapter of the last book that he wrote, he tells Timothy, my life is being poured out as an offering. And he was okay with it. He was perfectly fine that his life was being poured out for somebody else. We're studying those in our Sunday school class. It's amazing to see what he wrote to Timothy, his son in ministry. And how he just poured all of this into him. Are we pouring our lives into anybody? Do you even talk to your kids? <laughs> Do you even talk to your coworkers? Do you talk to anybody? I read a story this past week or was glancing through where a woman said that she had not kissed her husband in 10 years. That ain't no relationship right there, man. That ain't no relationship whatsoever. You got to have intimacy to have a relationship. Now, look, I don't want to see y'all kissing out here. That doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, it's got to be a part of a close relationship, intimacy. If you got to have it here, you got to have it there. And that comes through Christ. This is how we do it. That's a song in it. This is how I'm sorry, I'm really getting, I'm losing it. Let me let me pray for us as we close, all right. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power. Father, I thank you for what you show us through those around us teaching us and giving us guidance so that we might be fully devoted followers of Christ. Father, help us to be like Paul and set the example for the believers. Help us to be like Billy Graham and be an evangelist in the world and to the world. Now look, we may not have the effect of that, but it doesn't mean that the same spirit that was in those are in us. It is the same power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Use us with the gifts that you've given us to the degree in which you've given, us, given them to us so that we might be a light in a dark world. Not just shining aimlessly, but really warming people's hearts and giving them guidance to you. Father, we have hope. We have faith. And help us to love. These things we ask in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're